You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to a human smoking jacket of a man, uh, the wonderful drunk professor archetype that is Tom Tuck. Uh, I, uh, you'll know him from the Penny Dreadfuls. Uh, you'll know him from his own solo work. Uh, Tom Tuck goes straight to DVD and, uh, and other shows besides The Square Root of Minus One we talk about and also the one in the middle, the name of which temporarily escapes me. Um, Tom is uh, an excellent actor a uh, very uh, fine comic actor and uh, and a really interesting and unusual stand-up comedian. We're also going to talk about the um, the Alternative Comedy Memorial Society, of whom he's a founding member, and uh, there's plenty to talk about. So let's get stuck straight in. This is Tom Tuck. Last night I was trying to look up a quote and get the exact thing of a quote from a review from ages ago. Yes. And so I read through the whole review, and <laughs> I thought you'd this like that. Quote. Tuck is very adept at noticing stuff. <laughs> from no less hallowed a publication than Fringe Review. Yeah, well was, done. That, that wasn't the quote I was actually trying to look up. There, there was, um, I think it was innately solipsistic. Innate. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> solipsistic is uh, given to self-reflection, is that yes, right? Correct, yeah. Yes, gotcha. And, and my partner went, uh, hang on, Tom. You're Googling <laughs> your own name and the word solipsistic. That is, that's, that's really beautiful. That's great. Um, we didn't see much of each other at Edinburgh last exactly, year. Exactly, yeah. So You were doing your secret underground, under the radar. Which non- I, I'm really annoyed that the, the night you came wasn't quite, um, wasn't quite a, um, a, a massive... It didn't kick off. Okay. Quite, you put it the same way because okay. you saw the structure of the show. Yes, that, um, it was very funny. I mean, it was. It's very. It's, it's sort of. If I'm slightly off form, that that show doesn't work the way it can do. Ah, and because of the structure of, of, of speaking to someone. Yes. Everything and I, and I have to go with the things. I can't ignore any. Completely. This is the section of the show where you're asking. The, well, the whole show is that. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, it, it's, it's not. Oh, is it? Is it all? No, I mean, you, you did come back to certain kind of points within it that were the, the show outside of that conversation. We should explain what we're talking about here. Yeah. You ask people to describe themselves with the words "I well, am." I am X, where X is a variable and has to be about yourself. 
and it could be anything. Um, um, but I, there's certain things you don't allow, like you don't allow temporary states, is that yes, right? Yes, yes, and that the, the whole bit about language, the, the word to be in English is, is quite a big word. It's not got many letters in it, but it's quite a big word. But in Spanish, they have ser and estar. Yes, so, oh, meaning I am, and I, I am, am always. Yes, so yes. Um, estoy borracho, I am drunk. Yes. Soy borracho. I am always drunk. (laughs) And that may very well be true. (laughs) We are after permanent states. So, yeah, getting people to say something about themselves. Yes. And then from that, I'd spin off Um, either a a routine I'd already written for the show, a routine I improvised, or a routine from an old show, if it was precisely the right thing to do in that situation. And then... The sort of the, the the clincher of the show was I was saying things about me, um, and that was the the sort of spine about my biological father. Yes. Now this show, there's loads of things to talk about. I'm sort of wondering where to come in on this. The the, first, the, the burning issue I have about your show is I thought to myself, bloody hell, is Tuck doing a below the radar show, which he will then do at Edinburgh next year. And it will be an eligible, nominatable show because it hasn't been on the fringe before, despite you having run it in at the fringe. No, I have no... I don't give a fuck about the awards anymore. But are you planning to do that? Are you planning to do that show? Was that no. like a practice show? No, was I, that, that was the whole of your fringe experience. Because yeah. I love that. You were handing out flyers that you'd Yeah, I, I, I did, did, didn't go in the fringe guide and handmade every single flyer myself. And so it was just my tweeting, my handmade flyers, and the free fringe guide brought some people in. I have to say, how, looking at my pile of flyers that was all over my table when in the situation that we're all familiar with, when mm-hmm. you've got far less time at the fringe yep. than you thought you had, <laughs> the, bedside and you table. Stuff, <laughs> the bedside table effect, um, much as I was planning to see your show anyway, and I've, I've seen or heard all of your shows, um, the, uh, I'm, I'm just tripping myself up there. Can I be caught out? All of your shows? I think all of your shows. Um, but... The fact of a handmade flyer made me go, oh, I mean, it, it's hand- I've got to see this one. I've got to yeah, track I mean, this one down. That's that, great that, tactic. That, but, well, that's the, the fringe. You've got, you've, got, you've got to look at um, what the edges are in any, in any situation, in any system. You've got to um, see what the things... Come on, coffee, start working. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, uh, in any system, the point of interest is where the... Uh, information is narrowed. Yes, okay. Do you see what I mean? Um, so, um, for instance, uh, I was talking to my flatmate last night about art, and she was having, she was saying about Damien Hurst's piece of work. She said that stupid shark thing. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, well, no. The the reason it's a great piece of art is because um, the, the information is narrowed. Where the art is in that piece of art is the title of it, mm-hmm. the impossibility of death in the mind of something living. Mm-hmm. And then having to think about that title whilst being shown this thing. That's, so that's where the information is narrowed, and that's where the that's that's where the 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 systems. God, I'm already getting too protective. <laughs> no, 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 stick with it, stick with it. I want to know what you mean. Um, so, there are the rules to doing the fringe. Yes. You get flyers made. Yes. You get posters made. You go in the fringe programme. That, 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 like, that, that's the system of the fringe. The, actual, the system of audience at the fringe is a different system where you can narrow the information and give someone a handmade flyer. Yes. You are bypassing all of that other stuff and giving them a guilt trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and 
No, you've just, in every situation, I think you've got to, and this is not common, this is common, this is in every, every situation, you've got to, you've got to examine what the systems are. Yes. Now, is, is what you're talking about simply doing, going in the opposite direction to everyone else? No, sometimes the systems are correct. <laughs> OK. Well, I'm thinking of the things that that throws up for me is I remember a few years ago, Ben Target mm-hmm. had a poster with no information on it. Yes, exactly. At all, including his face, everything. Yeah. Brilliant, because you saw it, you went, what's that? And then when you got a flyer a few days later, we, oh, that's that, and yeah. it makes a bit more... Now, that, to me, is a... That's like a... I wouldn't say a gimmick, but I don't know about the information being narrowed. To me, that's just like, let's take the existing thing and fuck with the system and do something different. Is, is, that, is that what you mean, or is it something different if I'm misunderstood? Um, I suppose it, it can be, but it's, uh, I, I suppose the, information, the word information there I've used is mis- misleading. Um, I don't mean, actually, the, the information about the show. I mean, any information flow. If you man- the two humans are separate systems and the information that flow between us goes through the, the medium of language which is a narrowing of information okay because there's all the things you can possibly think can't be exp- like you can't say all of them okay to another person if you imagine two balloons yes absolutely yes two balloons connected by a straw uh-huh. it's where the information narrows that's where you need to look at and, and that's, that's where the okay. interest lies okay so you're talking it's almost like the semiotics of the way people communicate with each other. You're, mm-hmm. you're going, okay, that's a narrow stream of information. Yeah. So you get to affect that by using... by Like, everyone at Edinburgh has a similarly narrow stream of information mm-hmm. between them and their audience, and they do a particular set of conventions. But that but isn't within a narrow stream, because it's in the Fringe Guide, which is a massively wide stream. Okay. Do you see what I, I do see what I feel but let's let's come back to this because I, I I don't want to I, I feel like we could pick anything you and I we know we're friends we like having conversations we could pick anything and we could uh, explore it indefinitely yeah. there's loads and loads to talk about so let, let's come back to this but let's talk about the origins of the penny dreadfuls then mm-hmm. That you are, were, David and Humph, were they both doing everything and throwing themselves at theatre in that in that kind of way? No, no. So um, when did you first decide? Dave did a, did a fair bit of okay. acting. Um, Hump did a bit when he could be convinced to, um, when Dave and I could convince him to do things. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, uh, with Jamie, Jamie, well, it wasn't at Edinburgh, Jamie was at, I think, Queen Margaret or Napier, one of the other places doing, um, sound engineering, I think. Okay. Um, but he was in introverts with us. Okay. Um, but when we all graduated, we, none of us had anything else to do. So we all just stayed in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I got a job. Um, yeah, the other two didn't need to. Uh, <laughs> 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 the other two didn't need to. Yeah. Uh, and the, that's, that, a, that's a valid thing to talk about. And I, I am a big, like, not other people's financial situations, mm-hmm. but it's definitely the case that uh, people... I, I think there is a line to be drawn between... There's a connection to be made, rather, between... Uh, some people who are creative and who have the time to be creative because they don't need to be working some bullshit job they don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sort of during that year, we wrote our first Edinburgh show. Okay. And we took the fringe a bit by storm because everyone was like, "Who are these guys?" Because we'd never done a show in London. Yes, <laughs> we were just right. like, well, "We'll be funny." Yes, okay. It'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> and we were, and it was. <laughs> and so the Penny Dreadfuls was originally the. Um, uh, in the first iteration that I saw, which was in the under, 
belly. So, so was he the first or second? So yeah. it was the first or the second. In fact, were you running around naked, being an invisible man? No, that naked? was Jamie. That was Jamie. So it was the yes. second year. So it was the second year. That was the first. Yes, and I remember seeing it, thinking, I've heard a lot about these guys. Who are, who are they supposed to be? <laughs> because that, that would have been like the second year backlash of in the first year, everyone banged mm. on how great you were, and. Um, so the, that was a pretty good show. It was a great show. No, it was a great show. But I was, I'm just. What I mean is, I was watching it, thinking. Uh, I think I went into it having been told how great you were mm. and feeling a bit annoyed that I hadn't known who you were. Kind mm. of that, that sort of second year thing. But um, so it says more about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think I think that's very, very true. Yes. No, just in general of like it, the hype that you miss, you miss things. Yeah. And well, yeah, can't be that good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can't be that good if I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> like when Fight Club came into the cinema, too many people were talking about it, so I didn't go watch exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you did, you did the first year, and what what Penny Dreadfuls was for people? You just described it for people who it was a, a sketch show um, cynically set in Victorian London. Cynically, um, we we had seen everything that was going on with sketches, and um, we wanted uh, something that would. Mark us out, something that would give us some, you know, uh, uh, cohesion, market, market, uh, marketing-wise. Yeah. Um, enabled us to look pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing was that we wanted to... Um, we didn't want to do stuff... Um, when we came down to, like, little gigs in London, uh, we didn't want to be like all the other sketch we saw in London, which our term was, ooh, it's a bit london Yes, uh, okay. and that that for us meant uh, no commitment to character. Okay, and um, it's like you've got to, you've got to be really you've got to be the bouche to be able to you your the the kind of the base character has got to be so good. Yes, to not actually do the do the characters well. Yes, that's a really interesting observation. Yes, because with. With the the uh, Howard and Vince, those characters, mm. we know who they are. So when they half do something, that we know it's that it's or more the character wise. Yes, you know, like the, you, you've got the base level, and picked, picked, everyone who we saw in London were doing sketches where the sketch was like an all right idea, but they just the character the, the characters were nothing, and and then the base level well, they hadn't done anything base level to tell us who they were. Yes, so it, it was it was it was. Nothing of either camp. Um, trying to think, and yeah. So we, so we just wanted to do, and the Victorian Victorianness of it allowed you to go even bigger and more cartoony because everyone's yes. got um, a certain amount of uh, a lexicon for Victorian London anyway. Sure. It was sure. like, Captain, there's a problem here. You know, we already know what, you know, 50% of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you don't yeah, have to yeah. do the rest of the, uh, the exposition. And, and how much work, like when you did that first hour, the first time you did it as part of the fringe, how many times had you done it before? Like, had you, were you previewing? Were you yeah, doing sketches at regular nights? You know, it was all fairly tightly done. Because I, it is partly the costume, I think, and partly, as you said, the, you know, the Victorian-ness of it. Um, and very, very much Neil's lighting and Neil's music really, oh, yes. really pushes it into a uh, production. Production values, mm. yeah, absolutely. And there were che- it's cheap, it's cheap production value because all it is is floor lights and some bombastic music. But yes, so well chosen, Suddenly so it takes well us done. Out of, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we were we had previewed. Um, uh, the first show we did was probably in November, um, the year before. So November two thousand and five, um, at Bedlam, 
and it had a full plot. It wasn't just a sketch show. Yes, yes. Um, and that's it, the show was called Aeneas Faversham, and the plot was about this uh, detective or inventor or something called Aeneas Faversham, and he was just shit. So we just cut him, and we, <laughs> so we just wrote more sketches. Yes, <laughs> which is a pity because there was there was one bit that I sort of a clown bit that I I I did write that was in that show that just then didn't have a place without mm. a plot. It was just you know trying trying to fill a gla- fill a jug with water basically, and someone moving the jug and someone moving the glass, and the two never being in the same place whilst having a conversation. Okay, which was fun, but then had to go by the wayside because it didn't fit the thing. And because the sketch, the first sketch show was uh, successful, we then did another one. Yes, and in the third year, we we chose to write a play. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> was that harder? Uh, no, well, no, it, that's what got us disqualified from the shortlist. Yes, well, let's talk about this. this. So this is the year. Which year was that? 2008. And this is this the one when we all won the panel prize? Because I remember hearing, I don't know if you've heard this or if it's purely rumour-mongering, but I remember hearing that year when we all won the panel prize. You know when they gave the panel yeah, prize Yeah, I'm not sure which, if that was the same year or not. No, I don't, I don't think it was. I think it was later than that. But I remember hearing that the reason we all won the panel prize was that the judges had spent so long deliberating as to whether or not you were eligible. Oh, that might be the case then, for the yeah. For the main award, yes. Yes. So that, so that was you, you were ineligible for the, what was it, those in those days, was it the Fosters? It wasn't the Perry anymore, was it? It was the Edinburgh Edcom? I think it was the, yeah, first year of Foster because Russell Kane won it. No, Russell Kane won it year before. Okay. Um... I think it was, and so the previous year Brendan had won it when it was mm. if.com, so mm. yeah, it was Foster's. Okay, and you had a banging sellout show, brilliant review. We sold that every single ticket um, in a 170-seater of every single night, um, and we snuck 10 people in a night sitting on the aisles, Yeah, <laughs> and was yeah, still the best show we've ever done. And you didn't get nominated, you were ineligible for nomination? Yeah, they, they um, Nico rang Idle the right. morning of the nominations yes. and said, I'm really sorry, uh, you were on the shortlist at 10 this morning. You're uh. not on the shortlist now. So if you go on Wikipedia, there were four nominations that year instead yes. of five. Yeah. Uh, How did that we feel? Were uh, we were quite bitter about it, but we ran into Kitson, um, um, who I didn't know yet, uh, but the other two had been playing football with him. We ran into Kitson is it true? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all, it's almost as if it's a complete pile of bullshit in the first place. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Nika, Nika then put us on in the West End run. Really? As a du- yeah, double bill with Russell Kane. Okay. That's oh, and then, because well, no, Russell won yet, so he'd be nom- nominated. Okay, okay. In a double bill with Russell Kane in a West End theatre, even though we weren't nominated. So that must, yeah, I mean, obviously what, what Daniel says is sort of, um, yeah, I mean, it reminds you that the whole thing's sort of bullshit, but it must have, like, w- were you all of one mind on that? Did it cause any kind of um, rifts within the group? Was anyone... Not or, at all. Not, not rifts, but was anyone more angry or more sanguine than anyone else, or were you all just gutted? We were all just a bit gutted. Do you think now that it would have changed the course of your career? I don't, don't like, think so. Because, no. you know, because we were, we'd done one series of our radio show, we already had another one booked in. Um, maybe, maybe we'd have got telly. 
You must have thought, you must have thought maybe, like the radio, I mean the radio series is brilliant, I've illegally downloaded all of it, and while I can't <laughs> yeah, officially recommend people do that, use <laughs> uh, your wilds, is it, even, right. is it legally available, I'm not sure it is. I don't know, I don't, I know. don't think the series is legally Someone available. Someone sent fill your boots, guys, fill your boots. Yeah. <laughs> um, buy the plays, because they are legally available. Oh, great, okay. Yeah, you can buy those. Which are? Um, um, Guy Fawkes. Yes. Um, uh, the French Revolution. Yes. Uh, Hero of the Wake. And uh, the latest one we've done is Macbeth, but that's. And where can I buy those? Um, iTunes, I think, and other places. Okay, but I felt like listening to that, and I listened to the series. They they come up on shuffle, and I can't (laughs) I can't fast forward through them. (laughs) So I listened to all of them many times, Um, and they are so good. They're so funny. The performances are so good. The plots are so funny. The jokes are great. You do that lovely. Like there's so many different types of jokes. I wanted to see the TV show. You must have wanted to do the TV show. Yeah, the problem is it's, it's expensive. Yes. Um, because we're not... Um, it's not modern day. Yes. And it's adventure. Ah, uh, yes, of course. So um, it's a why, high... why, why does adventure make it more? I understand the no, modern day... You know, sword fights and... Stunts. Explosions, explosions. Yeah, and okay, da, da, da. Yeah. Like, um, So the, the bar that you have to jump is higher mm. for people to sort of take that risk. Yes. Whereas if we if if how we were being funny was three blokes in a featureless, featureless room, yes, then we probably would be doing would have done telly. Yes. But it, it's about four times more expensive, so four times more the written, you know. Knowing that now, if you knew that at the time, would you have gone, hang on, lads, the Victorian thing's a good thing for marketing, but maybe we should look further ahead. Dunno, dunno. I mean that's just like counterfactuals, isn't it? It's would, just one would, of the would, most... would, he, would we have been as successful had we not had? Yes, that, you know, yes, so. yes. Oh, I think I would be... I'd be still carrying that around with me. If I were you, <laughs> it was so good. Will you do more? Will you do more Penny Dreadful stuff? Because I know you came back and you ditched all the Victoriana stuff. Well, it was so like the, the next, yellow the next, one with the, Mr Princess and all the rest no, of there it. No, there was a show in between. Right? Yes, there was. But we did another play deliberately. Was that something about oysters? Why do I think oysters? Beef. Beef Island? Beef Island. <laughs> Don't let the beef bugs beef. <laughs> uh, oh, and we cut, we cut so much out of that show. That had a little so mini different. show within a show, didn't it? Did that have like a little shadow puppet? No, that, was, that was the 2008 one. Oh, that was it, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, that, that, that 2008 one. That, that was a show, wasn't it? God, uh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so yeah, the 2009 we did another play that was a sort of prisoner riff. Yes, essentially. yes. Um, yes. And... Then, then the next year we did a big show because we finally moved up from Pleasant Two. We had done two years in Pleasant Two and sold every ticket of the run, and so we were like they were like, "God, you have to go up to the biggest room." So we went to Pleasant One, um, which was you know it's a big blowing room. Yeah. So we're like, we've got to do something big, silly. It's big and silly, um, not expensive but big. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's why the block colours and. Mm. the you know, the big, big characters and the, and the silliness. And so that was, yeah, back back to do it. And that that was actually our attempt to say, hey, we can do a sketch show. It's not, this is not, this is all set modern. So, yes. come on, guys. Didn't make any difference. So. The which guys were you talking to there? The media, you know. The nominations people, the, oh, no, the panel. No, no, no we, we didn't give a toss about that. Absolutely yeah. not. But you were trying to say to the world of TV, mm. look, hey, guys, can, can do other genres. Yeah. And that, and they, and the, what was their reaction? 
That pause. <laughs> <laughs> Do you what? What was that? You feel like they'd. Did you feel that in their eyes you'd missed the boat? That they that they'd kind of been excited we about exciting, the one yeah, thing, possibly. and you weren't exciting yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's criminal, man. So your the next thing, I guess, was that you then each of you did a solo show. Yeah, I, I was going to do one anyway. If even if we'd done a, um, if, if we'd done another dreadful show, I was always going to do a solo show. Um. Because I'd been doing stuff alongside Dreadfuls the whole time, like mm-hmm. I would do, would, would do a play as well, or mm-hmm. do another, you know, bits of stand up here and there. Um, so I, I was always going going to do another show, um, but then we, then we decided that we weren't going to do another Dreadful show. So then the other two said, "Well, there's a gap in the diary, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do shows as well." So Hump did his show about his uh, Dimmock Watson Nazi smasher. Yes. And you did go straight to DVD. Yep. And David's show was called Shamble House. Shamble House. I saw all of them. Mm-hmm. I loved all of them. I'd say my favourite moment in David's show was halfway through where he stopped and looked at the audience and said, have you worked it out yet? Have you worked out which one is the murderer? Oh, oh you should have been doing that all the whole time. I didn't, I didn't mention it at all. <laughs> it was such a good joke. It was such a good joke. Um, but I... Let, I mean, look, look, absolutely, let's, let's focus on yours, because let's not forget, of course, that uh, some months before that show, I had given you some, ter- <laughs> some terrible advice. We were yes, in, yes we I were was hoping we'd talk about yes, this. Yes, yeah, we were in the we Green were, Man, weren't we? Were we? One of Sandling's gigs. And no, his birthday party. Oh, yeah, it was. Yes, yes. Hence why you were so drunk. Uh, I don't think I was that drunk. I think you I... were drunk enough to put your arm around me. That's not drunk at all. I put my arm around you now. Um, but Maybe I'm you, misremembering. But you, I think you, you, were, you were quite sided up. I think you are being overly forgiving of how uh, condescending. <laughs> I'm thinking Stuart must have been drunk. I don't think I was that. I was probably a bit drunk. Um, but uh, you were talking about wanting to do stand. You were starting to do stand up, and you were saying, "I'm going to take an hour up to the fringe," and I was saying, "No, Tom, 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 Tom." take a couple of years get really good because you only get to be new once (laughs) and then you turned up and got nominated yeah yeah well done well done excellent work let this be a lesson to everyone that emails me asking for advice (laughs) I don't know the hell I'm talking about um I think like I had been doing comedy a lot yes and my first stand up gig was in 2002 Uh so 2011 Nominated Best Newcomer in my 10th consecutive year at the Fringe. Sure, but you know the difference. I mean, you weren't a club stand-up, you weren't doing no, the circuit. No, but, you I, but, I, but I knew I could do the Fringe. Yes. So were you doing lots of gigs outside of the Fringe as warm-ups for that? No. No. Were you, you wrote an hour as a show, as a finished show, just for one no, person? No, how, how it came up is... Um, do you know Lisa Keddy? Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. So um, Keddy was doing £5 Fringe at GRV. Yes. In 2009, I think it was. Probably. Maybe two. Sounds right. And um, she was doing uh, a secret show at midnight every day. So you could buy, you could just buy a £5 ticket and you'd turn up and there'd be a show. Okay. And you wouldn't know what it was. And she said, oh, do you want to curate one of these? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do a stand-up night and you host it. I was like, yeah, great. Only if everyone's called Tom. Ha, 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 ha. Oh. Hang on, that's definitely possible. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, started uh, Tom Fooley, mm-hmm. as it as it became known, uh, and the first one had Crane, um, 
Bowston, uh, Parry, uh, Neenan, Rosenthal and Stayed. Which is quite a bill. Great bunch of Toms. <laughs> Good work. What a bill. Um, I'm sorry if I've forgotten anyone from that first one. Well, I think that's it. Um, and I, you know, had to just host and do, do some stand-up. And I was I miss this quite yes. a lot. Yes. And so I started doing Tom Fuller in London monthly, um, just so I would always have, I'd always have a gig. So this is Tom. I mean... What is there to say about Tom? You can hear what a preposterous human being he is, and a very lovely one. Uh, very, very funny guy. Do check out that um, the, the the Penny Dreadfuls radio series. You can get hold of that illegally somewhere. I think that's uh, I think that's probably fine to say at this stage. Um, don't ask me though for it because I'm not in the habit of pimping out my stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, load, loads more coming from Tom. A really tricky one to edit this because we talked for a long time. Um, but nonetheless, this is uh, these are the best bits. And I hope you enjoy them as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Hello to Chris Hook in Sydney. I hope the raw competition worked out. Um, I was uh, uh, chatting with Luke Heggie here in Christchurch at the World Buskers Festival, as where I'm currently performing. And uh, so good luck to... Well, I, don't, I, think, I think it's too late for good luck. I think he was in a, a heat of a competition last night. But um, uh, yeah, anyway. Hello, Chris. <laughs> that was a really badly managed shout out as well we might imagine. Um, that uh, all I have left to blurb, to advertise, thank you for your donations. I really appreciate those. You can go to comedianscomedian.com and click on the PayPal button. If you would like to, I'm in busking mode now, I'm up and running because I'm at the Buskers Festival. So uh, take a moment to think about what this show is worth. Think of a figure, what this show is worth to you. Maybe that figure is a pound a show. Maybe that figure is a, a one-off payment of 20 quid. Whatever you like, get that figure in your head, double it, double it again. Double it a third time. There's no point being cheap. And uh, and get to comedianscomedian.com. Click on the PayPal donate button and you can name your price. Uh, if you appreciate the work I'm doing here and the conversations I'm bringing you, then please feel free to ring in the new year by uh, by sending me your hard-earned cash. And I will use it to pay Nathan, my co-producer, and I'll use it to get some more music out of Dan Melrose, uh, which, you know, I know some of you love the, the blurbs, but the, 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 uh, the stings rather, but they, they will change before too long. Uh, and I will use that to travel, to go to exciting places, seek out new and interesting comedians, and then try and convince them they're unhappy. That is always the plan. Um, and we'll be doing that with Tom Tuck in just a moment in the second part of the interview. Um, just quickly, we'd like to advertise on the 22nd of February, which is the final day of Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival. Uh, I'm going to be doing a live uh, podcast. It's going to be Brendan Burns Part 2. Uh, Brendan, you may remember, I don't know if I ever said this on the show, but after we released the Brendan Burns podcast some 50 or so episodes ago, um, Brendan emailed me the night after it went out and said, right, and another thing. So uh, this is Brendan's right of reply. We're going to get stuck into his unusual touring uh, method that he's doing at the moment and uh, loads of other stuff besides we might even have some time to talk about wrestling but uh, if you've got any questions if if the Brendan Burns podcast made you think anything I know I know at least one fan of the show believes that that's the podcast which I became a man that episode um, but if you have any further questions for Brendan chuck me an email info at comedianscomedian.com or you can tweet me at comcompod I am perpetually rubbish at Twitter I will try to get better um Coming up shortly, I've just recorded a fantastic podcast with Harley Breen, an Australian comic, a man mountain, a mammoth comedian with a phenomenally interesting, a phenomenally interesting backstory about his his origin story, in fact, when he was 
sort of effectively in in what he jokingly calls the cult uh, in a very religious Methodist upbringing where he wasn't allowed to go to dances or listen to pop music and stuff like that. And he's turned into a, a fascinating comedian, partially, I imagine, as a result of that. Really, I mean, vin- vintage ComCom, though I say it myself. That one's coming up soon. And I don't know what order we'll do them in. I'm going to interview Ursula Carlson, fabulous South African comic who has uh, newly made her home in New Zealand. And I'm doing a live one of those uh, in Christchurch this weekend. But I imagine by the time you hear this, it will be too late for you to attend. So that one will be coming out soon. We've got Harley Breen in the can. We've got Andrew O'Neill in the can. I've been resolving some sound issues with that one. And I think we're done. So those ones will come out over the next three weeks whilst I enjoy a lovely holiday here in New Zealand. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for now. No, it isn't, Stu. Finish advertising the, the Breaded Birds Part 2 um, ComCom pod, which is going to be live at 2.15pm on Sunday, the 22nd of February, um, under the auspices of Heroes at LCB Depot. This is another Bob Slayer venture uh, under the Heroes of Comedy title. Um, so the room is the light box, and I've been asked to also mention Grey's Cafe in my press release, of which this is a sort of a one. Um, very exciting news about Edinburgh coming up soon, but I won't blab that just yet. And that is all the stuff. If you want to come and see me at Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival, you can search ComCom Pod. Oh, you know, it's probably best to search Stuart Goldsmith at DLCF, um, and they'll have an online brochure available now, as well as the print version. Um, and I will be doing a new work-in-progress show. I believe I've called it Stick to Your Guns. Um, that may not turn out to be the final uh, final name of the show as you will hear over the next few podcasts that, that i've recorded i will be being more than usually open with my guests about my own fear that i've run out and have nothing left to say so let's see if by the 22nd of february i could have thought of anything and um, it's very much that time of year at the moment so that is all for now um i promise i will come up with more funny stuff so come and see my show on the 22nd at i, I mean let's call it 7 p.m you, your your google is as good as mine um now let's get back to tom T- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Fuck. Are you influenced by other stand-ups? Are you a yeah, fan massive of stand-ups? Yeah. Because it's always seemed to me that your stand-up has been... Like, there's something that sets it apart from, and I don't know, to, to say it sets it apart from something is to sort of suggest that there is a, a mean, you know, a standard way of doing mm. stand-up, but there is something unusual about what you do, and I wonder whether it's to do with your persona. Now, we mentioned before your, your persona, you as described well, by yourself. Well, no, no, it was, it was, it was, um, 
It was that car journey, wasn't it? With Carly, yes, that was lovely. (laughs) Yes, we were talking about who we were, and I was saying I have difficulty because I don't really know who I am, I don't know how I come across. Was it you? I think it was Carly. It was you. It was me. Oh, it was you. I turned around (laughs) and said, yeah, you were... Oh, no, you you were driving, weren't you? No, Carly was driving. Yeah, I I turned back to you and said, oh, so you're you're a dad without kids? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's it. It's perfectly obvious you're a dad with no kids. Um, And... And I was annoyed about um, how... I come across as posher than I am. Yes. And he said, well, you've just got to try and embrace that. I still haven't figured that out. I still don't have an opening. I don't, I don't have the, the, the start. Um, I mean, my best opening that I've got is I have to walk on with a drink. Yeah. And say, I should point out that this is a prop. It's my third prop of the day. <laughs> okay. Ah, prop comedy. <laughs> <laughs> And that sort of sets it up in the best. That's the best I've got so far. Okay. Now, it seems it's to me drunken that... drunken barroom philosopher. What? Yes, exactly. Now, this is... But Dylan Moran is the nearest thing, I think. Yes. That kind of... It's, you know, it, even if it isn't, it sounds, that sounds heavily written. Is it a persona or is it a character? Is it... Is it that's, I think that's, that's what strikes me about your comedies. I don't know whether you are taking things away to reveal who you are on the inside or whether you're adding elements to show us a character that you have created. Because I don't know how much of you, how much of your own self, you're very bluff, you're like a sort of micro Brian Blessed sometimes, you know, you've got those sort of elements. And I don't know how many of those are real and how many of those are things that you put on in order to get on with people. When, when, I, when I went back to doing stand-up after however many years not doing it probably six or something um i realized the reason i'd stopped doing it is because everything i did was completely and utterly contrived and um, even though like even now i'm look, looking back at one of the pieces of material i'm like oh i'm, I'm, I'm reworking one of the pieces of material but it never worked back then because it was so contrived and i thought i'm never going to do something that isn't true now, the definition of truth there is um, a little elastic because you can be... It is, it, is, it is only through fiction that fact can be made instructive. Uh, George Bernard Shaw. Um, so I, I think I am putting things on to show you me. Are you? When you quote, when you quote George Bernard Shaw, do you know what I mean? That seems in keeping with the... The, the persona that you've invented. I don't think it's you. I don't know whether there is a me. Go on. My, my, everything about me is constructed. Yes. It all is. <laughs> um, I'm only this English because um, I was at an American school and you react, you know, you, def- you negatively define by, you mean you define yourself by who you aren't? Yeah. So you became more English. So your parents don't talk with your sort of overtly plummy English voice? No. So your accent, the way you talk, is a construction of yeah. your youth. In the same way... And, and people... There's no shame in that. So I mean, what, what, I think what, what, like, over Christmas, my Leeds accent came back. When I hang out with pappies, because all my family are for wolves... I, I have a wolves accent for non-UK listeners. Wolverhampton, <laughs> my family um, so, from wolves. Um, so, like, uh, if, if ever I try and do a Brummie accent to someone from Birmingham, they go, 
no, that's from Wolves, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you can't do Birmingham accent. You can only do a Wolves accent. So... And, and if, if I hang out with pappies, my accent goes Wolves. It's just, I went to Edinburgh, and that is full of poshos. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the one that's been sort of rolled over most. OK, OK. But so the, the accent is a, is a facet of it. But for your stand-up, when you're telling stories, true stories that have happened in your life, and you're depicting, you're, you're describing true heartbreak and true emotion, mm. does it help the communication of those ideas for you to, to have a constructed persona? It, it, it certainly did in the, in the first show, the Disney show, because, because it, it, the, the, the subject was so outre, it needed quite a simplistic avatar to, to, to give it, do you know what I mean? I don't know if I was, you know, necessarily thinking that through at the time, or that, that just sort of, it seemed to be the best way to do it as a, a theatrical show. Like, I had to do it with a jacket. I had to, like, I had to have that jacket on. Okay. And, I, you know, it, I had a costume for that show. Yes. Um, it, this isn't my, I wrote down things that I wanted to um, say to you, I think. Um, what was it? It's the the di- that's it yeah the difference between um, being a comic and being a comedian. I'd love to be a comic, but I'm a comedian. What do you mean those two terms to me? Because for some people they're interchangeable. I don't know. The I, don't, don't, I don't think they are. A, well, com- a comic is someone who couldn't do anything else. Yes. Okay. Other than get up and be themselves. Okay. So Patrice O'Neill. Um, do we, do we, who else is a comic? Do we, have, do we have any amazing comics in this country? It's, it's an American thing. Mike Wilmot. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and a comedian is Stuart Lee. Okay. Well, because there's more... Because it's, because it's intellectual rather than instinctive. Is that the... Yeah, possibly, but, like, I don't think, I don't think you have a choice about which one of those you are. That's, yeah, I, I agree. I'm not entirely sure on your definition of the terms, but I, as it pertains to you, and that's what we're talking about, I want to keep this specific to you, you're saying that what, like, um, like in the, in, when I interviewed Stephen Grant, he said, I'm not a natural comedian. Yeah. Is yeah. that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So com- comic would be a natural, natural I understand comedian. what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So as it pertains to you, you feel that you are not natural. Um, that you don't, that you're not one of those funny I'm, bones guys. No, I think I'm naturally funny. I'm not a natural stand-up. Okay. Okay. And yet you want to be a stand-up. You, you are becoming, you know, you, you are a stand-up and you are becoming a circuit stand-up. So the work is all there. So what is it that's different in you on stage? What are you still striving for on stage that you're not currently attaining? I don't, I don't, I don't think I am as emotionally honest as I could be. Okay. So in the sphere of what we've been talking about the last 10 minutes or so, and I will... Can we, I, can we have a wee break? Yeah, by all means. Yes, yes, yes. I'll, I'll have a think. We'll leave that running in... Uh, where is we? Um, it's just behind <laughs> you. On the right. Thanks. Uh, for the benefit of the listener, Tom is going to the toilets to cut his wrists. <laughs> <laughs> very funny the ending was beautiful and the, you know the things you were saying were all funny things but I was frustrated because I felt like you were giving me a version you were giving me 
you weren't giving me your true self. And I think for me now, there, there is, mm. you know, obviously like, you know, Milton Jones isn't giving us mm. his true self. He's still a stand-up. I was thinking about, I've just thought about Milton in, in, in those terms because he's, cause he's, such, he's a comedian. Like, yes. He's not a comic. Okay, okay. But I, I was frustrated because I was going, you, in, in you somewhere, there is the real you. And I felt like you were, I, I know I feel now, like you are trying to let that you out but you're tripping over the obstacles that you're putting in between yeah, me, the no, audience, yeah, but... and your actual honest, real self. Yeah. Problem was, the Disney show had to be done like that, I think. By all means. Um, and then, so, yeah, I've been trying, I've just trying to get better at being a, being a stand-up since. But that show needs to be like that. Sure, sure, sure. And I should say as well, you mentioned before we started here, you, I mean, you are one of the earliest and uh, most staunch supporters of this podcast, which is why I'm going extra hard on you. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely fine. So when I saw the square root of minus one mm-hmm. at Edinburgh just gone, again, there seems to me to be a, a, a kind of manneredness which I suppose the word for that is a manner. You know what I mean? You, you, there is an affectation Mm-hmm. In what you're doing, in what you're doing, and I suppose it, it does mirror very accurately the the affectations of your of your daily life. I mean, you are for benefit of those who can't see you, and I'll take a picture. You're dressed, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're dressed like sort of Doctor Who. You know what I mean? <laughs> the nicest thing Humphrey's ever said to me is, "What was uh, that? Of all the people I know, Tom, <clears throat> you'd be the best Doctor Who." <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I. I recognise that in myself of, like, wanting to dress weird, provoke a reaction from people, prove to people that I'm different see, and strange see, and stuff see, like that. that. But that's the, that's the thing about me that's probably truest. Like, I've always, like, down, like, from age 12, like, I was wearing ludicrous hats, like... Does that mean it's true, or it just means it's a lie you've been telling for a long time? Truest. It's, it's a grayscale. Like, I don't, I, I, like it, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is a lie I've been telling for the longest, but that's all I've got. <laughs> well, no, it isn't all you've got. What you have got is the same as any of us have. You have a real self. It's like there's a... Now, far be it from me. I mean, th- but that, that, that is a quite... A, if, you, if you'll have to dip into philosophy, quite a large metaphysical claim. Uh, okay, it is. My, let me make this claim then. My instinct is that there is a real you that doesn't have all these mannerisms. And that you, you're, and I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to slam it out there. I think your stand-up would be better and more successful, which isn't to say it's not successful at all. I just, and this is pure, this is what I want to see from you. And it's a completely uh, subjective value judgment. I feel like I want the real you. Come on, where are you? I, I mentioned this on a show of. of I, don't, I, wanted... I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if it came across, but that that the um, that was the point of this year's show was trying to examine that and trying to yes, intellectually you intellectually, intellectually. examined that. You didn't give it to us. You described the issues with it. I didn't tell anyone that point because. Um, you can't te- you can't tell yes, someone you something have to show, you have to show you have to show absolutely yes um, but you you see I mean, that was like the theme of the show but the the issue of you on stage and how you relate to us 
I just feel like there are... Do, uh, that all I'm, I'm just, asking is, do you agree that there are barriers in, in between yeah. you and an audience yeah. and, and those barriers are of your own making? Because I think that's true of all comics. It's certainly true of me. That we're all of us trying to get out there and be as honest as we can. Yeah, no, no, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment with it. Very much. Like, it, 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 that, the Square to Mind show would have been better with that intellectual structure if the stand-up had been... More emotional, more yes, brutally I honest. Stand-up. I understand. If, yes, I, if, I agree. If, absolutely. If, I, I don't want to give up my um, in, intellectual fancies. No. Um, Do you say flouncings? Uh, fancies. Fancies. But you <laughs> either are good. Because <laughs> um, I, yeah, I um, admire that when I see in shows. I, I and that's I, I think about those things quite a lot. Like Stuart Lee's. Um, one where the uh, the whole like half an hour is essentially writing a joke that Joe Pasquale couldn't steal. Yes, um, and that's such a it's a big intellectual concept, um, and I I think that's prob- probably one of the best shows anyone's ever done mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because of that. I do wish that my stand up the stand up in between was you know Patrice or yes. Yes, because you are you are struggling with the the, the sort of the tension between the lofty philosophical ideas and the earthy, actually real stand-up, and that is, let's face it, an incredibly big ask. Yeah, yeah. This seems like it'll be a good time to talk about the Alternative Comedy Memorial mm-hmm. Society, hereafter referred to as ACMS. Yeah, give it us. Used to be, used to be called the Alternative Comedy Memorial Society. Memorial Society brackets or the Captain Planet Repertory Theatre Company because that was the name I wanted to give it. <laughs> Luke gave it the name. I, I think Luke was right to give it that name. Just describe to us briefly what this is and then we'll draw it back into the, uh, the, the conversation. Um, yeah, the ACMS is a, a uh, mixed bill uh, comedy night um, that John Luke Roberts and I started um, with a board of performers and guest spots. Um, but we sort of try and inculcate into our audience uh, an attitude that um, people are going to try stuff and it might not work. Why not? Let's all have a good time anyway. Yes, and it, not not only that. I mean, are you, the same could be... The way you describe that, it, it sounds like any other night where people are trying new stuff, but it's nothing like that, is it? No, it's... you can't. If you do straight stand-up, people will just look at you. Yes. <laughs> so you have kind of fostered, you've, you've kind of cultivated an audience of people who demand... Incredible risk taking and nonsense and well, no, not incredible. Like Josie can get up there because she's one of the board. She she can get up there and just do stand up. Okay, they'll take it from Josie. They'll take it from Bridget. Josie Long, Bridget Christie. Yeah. I'm just trying to be mindful of non UK listeners. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Um, we've had them both on, so they shouldn't listen to this. <laughs> Thank you. I, <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, the. Um, the shows recently have got quite sausage-heavy because all the women on the board have got too bloody successful. <laughs> <laughs> OK. And, Is, and Izzy Sutty, who yes. hasn't done it in ages. Yes. Of course, she just had a baby, so... But she can be forgiven. Yeah. Um, so the... And the, one, of the, one of the key uh, motifs of the evening is after each... Act, Luke, Luke and I will run on and shout, A failure! And the audience uh, have to shout back, A noble failure! And that's probably the most illustrative thing you can say about the night. Yes, gotcha. 
And uh, and you still haven't smashed those plates. No, I haven't. Uh, I was, uh, yes, I have 400 uh, biscuit ware, which is these unfired plates that I drove to Stoke to go and get in order to recreate the obscure French circus routine from the 1800s, um, about which I can find absolutely no mention online. So if anyone has heard of Les Santasiet, the 100 plates, please email me. I'd love to know if anyone knows anything and about it. And you pulled out because of um, the TV show. Which one? The stand-up-y one. Oh, yes. yes. What was it was called? Yes, whatever it was called. <laughs> um, so, no, I haven't, I haven't done it. And um, I, th- I think, if I'm totally honest, part of it, is, part of it was realising that these plates were going to kill someone because they were far heavier than I'd anticipated. And part of it was because I sp- I've been to see it twice. And although I enjoyed it both times, it did for me... Do, do you think the accusation could be levelled at it? And this is me... Uh, putting myself in, there's Alfie caught me doing the other day, uh, putting me into a more general thing rather than levelling this accusation mm. myself. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a hothouse of really exciting uh, artistic ideas and, mm. and stuff like that. And, and is it also at the same time a kind of cliquey, sixth formery, self congratulatory experience? Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, kind of. But do the audience are part of that clique? And I don't see a problem. <laughs> could you? Could you? Do you, do you get I mean, on? I can't. I can't do any stand-up there. Okay. Why is that? Not weird enough. <laughs> but I can do. If I come up with a weird idea, I can do it. Yes. But Luke can do his like bits that will go into his show. Bridget wrote, wrote her entire show the one mm. on stage, or like for typed it up that day and, mm. and came out with it, mm. and so. Like ten minute chunks were just debuted on stage at ACMS. I'm very proud of that. Of, yes. Of, of of things that have you know. What are some of the most outlandish things that have happened there? <laughs> um, usually Ben Tarje. <laughs> um, he he's well when we, when we may inducted uh, Ben onto the board. We were doing it in, you know, the Arcola had a tent for a while, sort of okay. big top. I didn't know that. Um, and we, so we had all the boards standing, um, like lit, looking at Ben, who was lying on the ground in a, uh, like, overalls. And then he was painted uh, with a trombone. <laughs> so, like, a roller attached to a trombone was being played and just painted over his face. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, Munnery says that, you know, the intersection of art and comedy. It's not really either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. he, he does it as a joke, but you know. Yeah. And so you can't do your stand-up there, you said? Not like really. You, you host it, drunk, yeah. often. Um, I, pl- I play far, far drunker than I am. I'm relieved to hear that. I was going... I was, Sometimes I, was, I am. I was considering opening this interview by going, so, Tom, are you an alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> no, because that isn't a thing. Isn't it? Is it not? No, just like Alfie was saying about bipolar. Really? Yes, yeah, not a thing. Neither of them are things. They're helpful umbrella de- um, descriptions. Why do you believe that? Let's stick with alcoholism specific. Alcohol, alcoholism specific. Did I not do that bit when you saw square root of minus one? Uh, you, maybe. Remind me. Well, so I didn't do it every time. Okay. Because it, it depended when it came up. Um, um, it's. It. It's not a disease in the same way that tuberculosis is a disease. Understood. It, 
in, if someone says, I am an alcoholic, they mean one of three things. And this is, I did this as material. Yes, but I, I remember but I, but I, but I, Go on. do believe it to be 100% true. Um, they, they, they either mean I'm physically addicted to alcohol. Most of them do not mean that. Okay. Uh, they, could, they mean, B, um, there are noises in my head, and if I pour alcohol on them, it helps. Okay. Or... Generally, they mean C. Just I'm alcohol. a bit of a cunt. <laughs> okay. And if you by, by um, asking, "Am I an alcoholic?" Do you mean, "Am I a bit of a cunt?" Yes. I'm a bit of a cunt. Now, I, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I wouldn't have let Alfie get away with that, and I'm not going to let you get away with it. This is conversational shtick. But yeah, that was a, that was a bit of material. But I, I genuinely, I don't think dyslexia is a thing either. You don't think dyslexia is a thing? Are you dyslexic? Cer- no, no, certainly not in the way that, like, because I listened to Alfie Alfie's yesterday. Yes, like Alfie, I am, am rigorously obsessed with truth. Mm-hmm. So it, it's fine if you want to call something alcoholism in someone else's life or your own life. Specifically, your own life. You want to you say, "I am an alcoholic." If that helps you get through the day, and then that helps you get through the week, then that helps you get through the month. Fine, but don't call me one and expect me to, th- to believe it's true. It's not a real thing. I mean, you you, it's, it's a description of um, it's a description of um, behaviours. Okay. It, it, it is not philosophically rigorous to say it is a thing. It's just not, you know. In the, in, but in the, the, the same way that, um, in, again, this is this is was in the show, but it isn't really comedy. Um, a day is a thing because the sun goes up, the sun goes down. A month is roughly a thing because of the cycle of the moon. A year is a thing because of the going around the going around the, the earth, going around the sun. A week doesn't exist. Like it, we just have divided things. Okay, it helps us get through the day, and and, and his meaning is use in that sense. But Wittgenstein, um, but, but with meaning is use, most people are have such vague ideas of the word alcoholism that they're not they're not talking about what they think they're talking about. What they're talking about doesn't exist. This whole thing, oh, it's a disease. It's bollocks. It isn't. Are you angry? Quite. Why are you angry? Well, um, I get very frustrated with uh, with vagueness and untruth. Why? Because I did a philosophy degree and I really liked it. I don't know. It just—it seems odd to me. I, I totally understood your point. That's fascinating. That a week is a week isn't a thing that exists. You did seem very angry about it. I, I would suggest that... I'm being defensive. Maybe. Why are you being defensive? Possibly. I drink too much. But I'm not an alcoholic. I was gonna say, what I was going to say was... Isn't a thing. I, I would suggest that this sounds like someone who's been accused a lot of alcoholism yes. whilst drinking a lot. Yeah. Okay. I drink too much. Why do you drink too much? refer you to the Bill Hicks thing about smoking. They re- they've 
they've proven that if you give up smoking, you have a prolonged life. Well, no one has proven that a prolonged life is a good thing. Are you... So what you're alluding to there is... I spent all my money on, on drink and the rest I wasted. Yeah, these are... I want to hear what you think of it. Well, that's just genuine. I think, like, why, like, why not? Like, if, you, if you're, do, you're doing something you haven't got anything to do later, pour a drink on it, it'll be more fun. <laughs> no, any drug. <laughs> do you, do you think... think... the legal one and the, and the socially acceptable one. Yes. Do you, are you unhappy? Is that where this comes from? Quite possibly. What might you be unhappy about? that you would want to pour drink on things. I mean, you, you, can, you can accept that whether or not alcoholism exists, whether or not it's philosophically rigorous, there is presumably... If someone wants to say that I drink too much, um, to, then, then I, 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 I want the predicate of that idea. What do you want me to do better? There are people who've said specifically to me, that's not OK because of this. And I go, OK, I'm not going to do that again. And I, but just blanket... Don't drink as much. Yeah. The only reason I can think to myself why I probably should is I want to lose some weight. <laughs> like, that, that, for me, is, makes sense. Absolutely. So, and, I, and I'm not denying your right to drink as much as you want, absolutely. But it, it does seem to me that there is defensiveness in there, and that suggests anger. And what is it that you're angry about? What you were alluding to there with the sort of various kind of aphorisms about alcohol consumption... Um, I'd say aphorisms, but you know, I'm fine. a pedant. <laughs> yeah. um, but what you're alluding to is, I mean, it seemed to me, um, is that, uh, hey, listen, life isn't so great anyway. Why don't we get drunk because life's a horrible place or it doesn't end well? Or that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that what you meant? Is that what you're... No, 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 just... You said, you said yeah, uh, no. you, it ends and it ends... Well, I'm sorry, I forget the... No, no one has proved that prolonged life is a good thing. No one's... Pre- yeah, exactly, that prolonged life is a good thing. So that suggests a sort yeah, of willful self-destruction... Maybe, but I, I, I thought... I think I meant it as a kind of... Um, have fun now. Yes, OK. Qu- we might sort of uh, infer that that's quite a... That it's a way of saying have fun now that contains a fairly... Sort of self-destructive streak. Do you, Perhaps. Do you, do you see yourself as a self-destructive person? Yeah, probably. Can, can we get into why? Can we get into this? Because I you think you... I, I, like, I, I haven't been able to. That's OK. We've got, we've got infinite time and we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to post it all. <laughs> but you, are, you, are you angry or unhappy in a way that you don't talk about on stage? Not angry, I don't think. Possibly unhappy, but I, I, I think there's there's some sort of well of unhappiness that I haven't figured out yet. I that seems uh, that seems like it might be right. So it's not you, that I'm not trying. I just don't. And what what kind of trying is that? Have you ever had therapy? Have you ever had a counsellor? Anything like that? No. Or have you just thought about it yourself and tried no, to get to the bottom? No, no. But um, I am reasonably suspicious of most of it. Yes. That's um, very. That's a really difficult combination. I, I know people like. Um, I like I because of the philosophical background. Like I, I want to know what, like who the who the person reads and yes. studied. You know. Yes. If which also at the same time conveniently, and I don't mean to make light of it, mm. but that also allows you to not get any help. Uh, I've been um, researching. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm meeting someone on Sunday to um, talk about their experiences of therapy. Okay. And maybe try and... I don't want to go too deep in this. No, time. it's I hope fine, it's right. fine. Well, no, to, to be fair, if you listen to this, I'm not specifically meeting him to talk about that. I'm meeting him to hang out, but I'm going to... <laughs> I have texted him about, him about it before. Let's bring it back to what we know about, which is your performance. Do you think that comedy helps you with some of the unhappiness that you feel or might feel? I don't think so. What does comedy help you with? I don't think it helps me... Um... Does it just keep you busy? I, I need to be performing. Why? What do you, what do you, how does it serve you? What do you, what do you get from performing? I mean, in these most basic, just, obvious terms. The terms to you which are bloody obvious, what are those? It's just what I do. I, I'm, I'd be really... I'd be... Yeah, I'm... Well, you'd be bored, you'd be lonely, you'd be... Insufferable without it. I mean, you're fairly insufferable already. <laughs> <laughs> Honk. <laughs> um, yeah. I... Yeah. I just... Because that, why? There's a... I, I think it's what I'm good at, so I should be doing it. Yes, no, it's perfectly reasonable. I'm just... I'm not... Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. You are very good at it. You're a very natural. But I think, but I think, I think that that's you know, you know, or your calling or the uh, the Aristotelian Aristotle, yeah. And it was Aristotle for the golden mean that Alfie was talking about. It was Aristotle. <laughs> um, also, that is complete bollocks in terms of moral philosophy, but. I don't want to get too uh, meta on this. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Alfie. These have to be standalone episodes. <laughs> Bertrand Russell said, no. <laughs> um, uh, the, the idea of eudaimonia, the, 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 a thing's purpose is what, would, what makes it flourish. Okay. Okay, yes. So you should, you should be doing... That, that's what you should do. I mean, it's a, it's a problematic idea because that, you know, um, technically that means that women should have children. Sure. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I don't... I, I can't see any many other purposes for me. Yes, that's interesting. Um, purpose. That's something I don't often talk about on, on this show. That's a, that's a good point. I feel my purpose is to perform, and I, I rail against it and have issues with it based around that story that mm-hmm. I'm telling myself. I go, OK, that's it. I've decided that this is my purpose, and now sometimes I feel like I'm not very good at my purpose, and that feels far worse than if I found out I'm not very good at painting. Mm. Well, it's, it's performance, and I think, I think a lot of people um, uh, needlessly carve it up. And obviously we need to carve things up, otherwise it's difficult to understand such a large spectrum of thing as performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think any time that you stand on stage, in any format, whether it's acting, um, lecturing, stand-up, being in a band, it's all... You know, it's all part of the same thing. There are many gradations in between all of these, and like that, I need to do some of that. So I need to do something in that, um, or be a dad, or be a dad. Yeah, <laughs> that that might be the sadness. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, that, that's why that was the 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 uh, punchline. Uh, I tied inverted commas on the yeah. punchline of the Disney show, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Do you think your this is a, maybe moving into a different territory here? But do you think that your lifestyle is compatible with 
parenthood. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm, I'm just saying I have worries about my lifestyle as a performer and a person that, that made a lot of decisions about his purpose with a view to just going out and having fun and feeling like myself and flourishing. And I'm going quite free forward. in the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I come back to, yeah. yeah. You know, you know just, like, like any parents, you'd, you'd split the time, but mm. I'm quite free in the day. So. Mm. Let's have babies and go and take them down the park and... Mm. Get drunk. Let's have, <laughs> let's have gabies <laughs> without being gay. <laughs> um, do you read your reviews? Yeah. How do you read your reviews? I turned it into a game. Brilliant. Tell me about the game. Um, you tweet uh, a link to every review with a quote, uh, which is the silliest thing you could possibly pull out of the review okay. and the number of stars. So... Um, not a rip-off. Three stars. Link to the Chortle review. <laughs> <laughs> the full sentence is, there are shades of Stuart Lee, but it's clearly not a rip-off. Okay. But not a rip-off is the silliest thing I could yes. pull out of context. Yes, particularly in that sentence where one, uh, yeah. you know, someone not playing the game would pull shades of Stuart Lee. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Um, uh, innately solipsistic. Yes. Or... Uh, his his hair is an ever moving objet d'art. Now is this five stars? Does this? <laughs> that's nice. Does does do it? Does playing that game demonstrate to the wider world that reviews are simply things for me to toy with because they're they're, they're meaningless? Or does it? Like, does that? Does that? Ref, that's how. It, that's what it seems to reflect to me. And is that an honest appraisal of your view about reviews? Or just is it a defence mechanism. Just, no, no, I don't think it's defence mechanism because I've always read all the reviews. Um, and even dreadfuls, I always like to know when the reviews were in. The others two would, didn't, didn't want to know at all. So, like, Steve or Idle would come up to me and tell me who was in that day. Um, um, relatively philosophical about them. You know, if something's badly written, I can discount all of their opinions. <laughs> uh, if it's well written, I'll, I'll go, huh. I'll try and grapple and see if they've got a point. Um, yeah, but I've no problem with them. Like nothing's really smashed me. Okay. I th- well, I think I think it'll manage to keep our independent one from two thousand and nine away from us. I think that might have hurt me. Right. Why on ones to watch, just not this year. Oh God. <laughs> mm. That's an oddly passive-aggressive thing to say. And they, they didn't publish a review from the year before, which is presumably what they're referring to. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But in, like in general, like I get three and four stars from pretty much everybody for my stand-up. One reviewer found me this year. Bastards. Yes, I read that. I saw that. Bastards! One found me on the last day. Ugh. It wasn't for them. I was doing this, the, the underground experiment of this high-concept, stupid show, handmade flyers, who's coming. I was getting about 30 people, 40 people a day. Uh-huh. Bloody reviewer. One four of you dropped a card in a bucket. What are you doing next year? Um, probably not a new stand-up show. Um, uh, not 100% sure. We'll be doing ACMS, I think. Um, hopefully back in the kitchen slot at the stand. Um, we had a lot of fun there two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hopefully a play. I need 100% find I can get the rights for it. I did it ten years ago. What's the play? Uh, Scaramouche Jones. Oh, wow. That's a one-man... That's a... Whoa. 
I've never seen it. I've seen. I've seen. It's like a guy being a clown for various yeah, ages. It's, of a his one, life. it's a one hundred year old clown telling the story of his life, which mirrors the um, story of the first half of the twentieth century. I will certainly come and see that. Um, I'd love to see. But that. I did it at the Fringe in two thousand and five. Okay. So the idea would be to do it every ten years until I'm dead, <laughs> which is sort of a long scale um, fun joke. And do you? Do you? It's funny. I can hear how much that tickles you, and I can hear throughout this conversation. But it's going to be interesting. Your your I. I yeah, absolutely, yes. But I, I want to make a, a, a different point, which is that I can hear how much it tickles you to have sort of interestingly intellectual approaches, like the combination of the intellectual and the, the sort of the beast of the fringe, mm. you know, and the kind of the sweat and mm. the people wandering around and the rest of it. I can, I can hear how much that, that's, you, you enjoy that. Um, do you feel like you are part of the fringe? Do you feel like you're part of a gang in the fringe of the people you came up with and... The no, I feel, I feel like I'm part of the fringe. I don't feel like the fringe, the fringe, like not, not like part of the comedy community in the fringe or part of the thing. You so do, like, you, part of the fringe first. Fringe comes first. <laughs> is that sorry? Are you asking me to clarify what I said? Or is that your answer? No, that's my. That's not, the fringe comes first. Yeah, the the this many creative people in this city trying to make something good. Uh, astonishing. Do you feel part of the comedy community? Just about. Because <laughs> I didn't come up with... The, like, I didn't have to do the open mics. So I didn't. <laughs> I did maybe one in London. Screw that. <laughs> Never doing that again. <laughs> in times like this, I feel like I should add a, just add a note to... If there are open micers listening to this, I mean, take that advice by all means. <laughs> don't, don't do it. D- decide not to bother. <laughs> don't do it. Do something good. <laughs> let's end. Let's end with. Just do something good instead. Let's end with that. Let's end with. What's your advice for a new comic of any of any ilk? What advice would you give to a? And let's. Let, I, I'm often. I'm often. It's obviously very comic centric uh, or, or comedian centric in your terms. Um, but what's your advice to a creative person that wants to make a living from their art? What's the, what's the single most important thing that you've learned? Hmm. And it has to be your own words, not a quote. Ah. It's, a, it's an aphorism, but it's my own words. Uh, to, to walk the line, sometimes you have to fall the wrong side. To walk the line, sometimes you have to fall on the wrong side of it. Okay. So what, what does that mean? Don't feel bad when you get it wrong. Yeah. Because at least you tried. Yeah, exactly. Try. Try and do something good. Try and eat something. Not, don't try and do what you think you're supposed to. Try and make a quality thing then hopefully someone might like it. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. No worries. (laughs) So that was Tom. I mean, he's just an absolute pleasure to talk to and a really fascinating comic voice and a really fascinating person. And he was very uh, candid with me, as I know you you, you like it when I get them to be all candid. And, um, yeah, I think ever since the Alfie Brown podcast, when he said... uh, 
that I uh, it was unfair because I was going much harder on him. I've decided if you're a listener to the show and you're coming on the show, the gloves are off. So that's all for now. Uh, tweet me at ComComPod. Uh, you can also follow at Stu Goldsmith if you'd like to hear me occasionally asking how best to do the odd DIY um, uh, question, uh, the odd DIY challenge. Um, you can email me info at comedianscomedian.com if you have any questions or suggestions for future guests. We've, uh, I mean, uh, there's an ever-growing list which basically contains, contains all comedians, so uh, please contribute to that, info at comedianscomedian.com. And if you would like to donate to the show, uh, please rest assured my guests never see a penny. Um, you can go to comedianscomedian.com and click on the donate button. That, I think, will stay up there, even though we are going to be overhauling the website over the next few weeks and months, and I'm very, very excited about that. I've got uh, my friend Homebrew is on the case, so uh, we, we can expect good things from, from him, and, uh, and uh, we'll be genuinely overhauling the, the, whole, the whole appearance of the site and the whole functionality. There's going to be some really exciting things coming up there. I'm rambling now. I'm, I'm allowed to ramble. I'm three days away from an epic three-week holiday. And uh, I'm just making sure I've got everything uh, racked up and ready to go so that I need not lift a finger while I'm away. Speak to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.